When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Right now, though, Hamish Bennett, former Black Cap, joins us to talk cricket. G'day, Hamish. How you doing? Yeah, good, mate. How you going? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Good. Uh, I mean, we see um, yet another test. Looks like it's going to slip away from the Black Caps. Looking very much like this is going to be a sweep for the Poms under Baz in his first go-round. Yeah, it definitely does, mate, unfortunately. He's got our number, really. I think that's just years of watching us play, knowing the way we tick, and he's, I guess he's just taking us apart slowly, really, and it's just showing um, yeah, just his approach that... He's given England, he's given them that new life that everyone keeps going on about, but it seems to be really paying off for um, for that bunch of men. How much do you think Baz has had an influence on bowling plans to our top five? Because our top five really have, have not performed uh, in either test, uh, you know, in any of the three tests here. I'm looking at these numbers. I mean, Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blundell, I guess, um, have been the flag bearers for the Black Caps. The, these stats, Hamish, uh, make for some pretty uh, wow-type reading. In three tests so far, Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blundell have scored 921 runs between them at an average of 92.1. Everyone else in the team, 893 at an average of 17.9. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? I think, um, you're getting back to your first point there, he definitely has got our number of that. I think he's just, he'd be just all over the strategy, all over the tactics of I mean, of batting and bowling. That's all what he'd be providing just, you know, his years of being an international captain and being captain of franchises and that. He knows how batters tick and how game plans work, so he'd have been all over that and just, I guess, using a little bit of the data as well. And I think Stokes as well has got a bit of a part to play too. He's trusted his gut. He's been pretty aggressive with his captaincy. I mean, he didn't have a sweeper last night for a long period with um, Jack Leach bowling, which is it's unheard of, really, a spinner not bowling with any boundary cover, just to try to create those sort of those options to take and try and create some create some wickets. So, I think Stokes and McCullum worked really well together, trusting their gut, but also using the tactics as well. So, it's really paid off. And I guess for us and anyone watching as well, um, whether it be a club cricketer or an international cricketer, is sometimes when you're out in the middle, you just got to trust your gut, and go with your heart. There's another Kiwi who maybe doesn't get um, as much praise as they should, who's also part of that uh, England setup, is Jeetan Patel. I saw Jack Leach interviewed post-game, or post-day four, I should say. Uh, he had uh, plenty to say about how Jeetan's improved his game. They shortened his run-up. He's using more overspin as well and trying different things with the ball. And, of course, uh, Jack Leach just took uh, 10 for in the uh, in the test. Yeah, it's an amazing effort, really, for Jack Leach to take 10 for. It's really the game changer, really, considering we didn't play our frontline spinner. Um, I guess Baz sort of was always going to try and create those wickets where we have to play frontline spinners, knowing that we tend to go to our seam options first and sort of look to exhaust those before we chuck the ball to spin. So, um, yeah, and Jeets, well, I mean, that's just the luxury of having um, a big setup and having lots of money as well, being able to take a spin coach around. He's really just Jack Leach 
personal coach, really. Um, when you look at our squad, he just, we just co- coach Leach and a little bit of Joe Root with their bowling. So have that person you can talk to and go to the whole time who you know has been out there and done it in the middle as well. He, Jeets has some great success in England. Um, we know, uh, obviously, all the tactics and how to bowl at certain grounds and I guess for New Zealand as well, how to bowl to certain batters. So, yeah, you can only see England really well. They're only going on the up, really. And I guess people have spoken about saying they're not as strong as they could be and they need to play against Australia and all that. But you've got to remember England's, you know, they're without Joffre Archer, Mark Wood, Ollie Robinson, um, Chris Wokes. So, I mean, you get those guys back and they've actually got a few selection headaches as well. Jimmy Anderson. Jimmy Anderson as well. So when they do play Australia and they and they get to play South Africa and and they, and they get a few of those guys back, I mean they're going to be pretty pretty good with their bowling lineup as well. I think where both teams have probably struggled, especially in the third test, is their fourth um, seam option. Obviously Stokes carrying that knee niggle, mm. Daryl Mitchell not bowling as much as probably we need to. I think for us it's actually shown how much of a loss of uh, De Grandheim is, how much he can sort of hold our attack together and be that glue to give us a good balance. Um, I think moving forward <coughs> for New Zealand, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, um, I think Conway potentially probably has to open the batting with Henry Nichols coming up to four and Daryl Mitchell coming into five, so then DeGrandheim can play in bat seven, then we can look to play Ajaz and then maybe three um, front-line pace bowlers. So not quite sure where, the, where that team sort of lies, but there's probably a lot of combinations New Zealand could use. Um, it's just trying to figure out which is the right one for the right conditions. I talked to a few people ahead of this third test at Headingley, and everybody said Headingley is a place where you can bowl, you, you have to bowl a spinner. Why did the Black Caps not bowl a spinner? There seems to be a real reluctance to play Ajaz anywhere that's not an absolute minefield. Yeah, I'm not really quite sure. I, I felt as though, especially with the way that we like to play our cricket as well, you know, England was always going to create flatter wickets that required a spinner. Um, I guess we just had that recipe and that success with going with our seam bowlers for so long. So I guess over a long period of time, that builds trust. Um, it's, re- it's It's been very, very reliable. It's, it's a safe option and it's a comfortable option. So I guess sometimes, you know, um, stepping outside your comfort zone and, all that can be tough as a captain and can be tough as a team. So I guess that's probably the way they're probably thinking about it. Um, I guess from an outsider's point of view, was, you know, I guess it's, everyone's probably hammered it to death. Um, it would have been great to see AJ's play. And obviously now if Leach taking 10 for it, probably just rubs even more solid to the wound. Well, it does. And I mean, it feels like, I don't know what you think, but it feels like Kane Williamson doesn't trust AJ's Patel. Um, I'm, I'm picking that he gets the, the final say. Um I mean, he takes the 10 for, he doesn't play in either of the test series in New Zealand. Then we go to England. They name him in the first test. He play, He bowls two overs in two innings, then gets dropped um, and, and isn't part of the team for the third test where we know it's going to spin. I, it just makes no sense to me. Um, yeah, I guess it's just because in New, in New Zealand, um, the seaming conditions, and obviously when we play those four seamers, that obviously our batting depth isn't as, doesn't go as deep as um, we would like, even though we've got the world's greatest, well, the best ever number 11 ever to exist in Test history. Um, we probably just don't have that batting that batting depth if we play AJS. So I guess for that point of view, when it's favouring um, seam bowling, it's probably easy to think about. The easiest option is to leave AJS out of the side and then going into Trent Bridge as well. And Lord's nipped around a bit. It was pretty hard to face um, seamers from memory. So I guess that's why... Um, AJ's didn't really bowl. I don't think Jack... Well, Jack Lee got concussed, didn't he? And Parkinson mm. only really bowled a few overs at the tail. 
and then heading into Trent Bridge, the wicket was obviously quite um, had a bit of moisture day one, so I thought about winning the toss and having a bowl as their best option of winning the test, and then we obviously batted first, and then it became pretty apparent after day one that we were missing Wagner and Ages. So I think probably things just haven't turned out the way they would like with their planning, really, just with you know winning a few tosses or trying to make the most of the wickets when they had it. And I think that first wicket at Lords, which was meant to be flat, I think that really threw them off. Um, heading to the next test with selection. Because headingly as well, you know, a lot of sides have not played a spinner there as well. A lot of visiting sides haven't played a spinner there either um, over the years. So I guess they're probably thinking that a little bit as well. But with the way, I guess, baseball as they call it now, or as he calls it on SCNZ, sexy cricket, um, <laughs> I think um, I think playing Bracewell was, well, they probably just wanted more runs, um, you know, the ability to score more runs, but hey, win tests is by taking 20 wickets. So, exactly. I think with the way, with the way that Baz plays and the English are playing with the offspin of Brace, well, I know you got a wicket last night, but also went for 17 and 11 overs. Um, they're just going to keep taking them on. So, I do like the option of Ajaz with being able to spin the ball away from the right handers outside edge. Yeah, well, I mean, because it, it feels, um, I don't know what the right term is here, but it feels a bit backward, I guess, thinking, um, to, to be worried about what Ajaz is going to contribute with the bat. I mean, that's not what he's in the team for. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, and, and then you oh, look... I totally, totally agree. Yeah, and then you look at Headingley, right, and you go, Jack Leach had the, new, had the ball in the first innings after 14 overs, and he took the new ball in the second innings. That tells me that that pitch straight away should have been identified by people that know what they're doing as, as a pitch that was going to take spin. Yep, spot on. I, I think they opened the bowling of Jack Leach in the second innings just to rub salt into our elbow and just Baz just trying to show that... You know, you can play a spinner and showing New Zealand's reluctance of playing a spinner, so just trying to sort of have a, that little mind battle. They do call age as the um, Indian Lara at Central Districts. I know they do that off um, their social media account, account. so um, he, he has contributed with the bat. He's actually done a very good job with the bat um, when, he, when he has played. So, yeah, it's just one of those ones. I think when you look at the English side and look at the way Baz is thinking, he's always... I mean, it's a mindset that he has. He's always six to 12 months ahead of the game where it's progressing anyway. It's going to take a wee while for some teams to catch up and play the style of cricket that England are playing. Um, and for us, I think it's just looking at two teams that are transitioning differently. I think England are transitioning on the way up. And I think, unfortunately, with the age of our guys, where we're at, um, we're probably transitioning the other way. And a few guys are probably going to call time within the next sort of 12 to 18 months. And... Guess we've got to think, start thinking about that next cycle of players that are coming through. And I think the exciting thing I've taken out of this is there's been so much, I guess, criticism or press about it. It just shows how much of a high standard we've got now for our Black Cap side. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how successful they have been from 29 to or 2015 onwards and our expectations of the side. So I think, you know, as a player, you can be disappointed with, you know, getting negative press or press that's, um, you know, offering constructive criticism. But for me, if I was a player in that environment, I think that's actually a good thing because it just shows the standard and the expectations we have of that side now. So it's, it's only a good thing. That is a good thing. That is a positive thing. Um, something else, you know, you mentioned Michael Bracewell uh, coming into the team, and there's nothing against Michael Bracewell at all. Um, you know, he's been selected, he's taken his opportunity, but if, if you rewind a few months, you know, we were being told um, that Rajan Ravindra was a project at seven to be a spinning all-rounder at test level, and that 
you know, he was he was seen as a guy that could do a real good job for New Zealand. Uh, he could be the other de Grandholm when we, you know, we had spin conditions. Yeah, you know, he's scoring double tons for Durham, and we're putting Michael Bracewell in the team uh, in England. I, I don't understand that selection either. Well, I guess it's probably from coming from that Dutch series. You know, um, Brace has had a great, obviously, super smashed our great innings in um, New Plymouth, and then carried it off for the rest of the tournament. Um, and he's always been able to bowl those offies and he's always been looking to develop it. And I guess when he played against um, Holland, especially in Hamilton, just the amount of turn he got, purchase, rag, um, whatever term you want to use, he got against the Dutch. I guess they're really excited New Zealand um, selectors and coaching staff about using him in England. He's obviously an experienced top-order batter. They probably thought with the ball moving around um, in those conditions, probably needed a bit more experience. Um, he's got good leadership as well. So I think he ticks a lot of the other boxes off the field as well. So... Um, yeah, but you're right. We did hear that a lot about Ravindra, but I think Ravindra will do that role, whether he'll open the batting or he'll bat in the middle order and be able to bowl. I think, for mine, I just think they'd probably rush Ravindra a touch. Um, you know, he hasn't played that much for Wellington um, in first-class cricket. Um, probably needs to dominate playing for Wellington, especially with the ball as well. Hasn't really bowled much for Wellington with the ball. Bowled here and there. Probably needs to... I think for his development, he needs to have a good season of first-class cricket, bowling lots of overs, being the first-choice spinner. Obviously going to be tough now with Bracewell there as well, but when Bracewell is away, that he needs to bowl a lot of overs and, and score a lot of runs and take that responsibility at um, first-class level. I think it's something that I think a lot of sporting organisations do. They, they sort of tout the, their next sort of diamonds, I guess you would call them. Um, they probably rush them a little bit early, whereas with Ravindra, ideally, you'd want him to play a lot more first-class cricket for Wellington and then when you get him in, keep him in. Um, I think it's tough on a young guy's psyche, you know, 22 years old, I think he is, coming in and out of the national side and when he's playing, probably not contributing or doing as much of his role as he'd like and then can come back to Wellington and plays a completely different role. So he probably comes back a little bit confused. I think they need to probably have a better alignment of around his role. Because at the moment for Wellington, he's an opening batter who bowls the odd over and then when he goes to New Zealand, he's a bowler. Um, well, he's playing as a genuine all-rounder, so it's pretty tough on the kid with expectations of his bowling, considering he doesn't bowl as much as he needs to for Wellington. Do you think there's anything, and this is a conversation that I've had before with uh, Mitch McLennigan, do you think there's anything, from a New Zealand cricket point of view, um, and this is probably on Stead and White rather than Kane, uh, you know, they made the call to re- to not give Jimmy Neesham a contract, and they gave one to Michael Bracewell, and so they had to, just, they had to justify that decision by selecting him? Um, oh, no, I think the the way the ranking system works with the contracts, um, I mean, Jimmy wouldn't have got any Red Bull ranking points. Um, he obviously hasn't been picked either, I don't think, in those ODIs. Um, against, in the, on the, also, you know, the stag, stag do trip, you know, against Ireland, Scotland and Holland. So I guess just for, for Nisham, it's a hard one because the, the way the contracts, contracting system works, if you play Red Bull cricket, if you're in the top 15, um, you know, at the time of the contracts, you, you're going to get a contract with the way the system works. It's for someone like Jimmy, who's obviously a big T20 player, um, you know, and a, a strong, strong in that format, but not strong in the other formats. You're just never going to get a contract. So it's it's not really down to, um, I guess, you know, their perception of him or what they want him to do. I guess it's just the way the contract contracting system works, and whether that needs to be looked at, or you know, and if it was to be looked at, how that would work. Um, it's always tough, I guess, because we're trying to New Zealand's trying to put make sure that Test cricket's still the pinnacle, so that gets a lot more points in the ranking system as opposed to T20 cricket.
Yeah, I was just having a look. Um, Nisha has been called in for the for the for that. Um, uh, not the ODI against Scotland, I don't think, but for all the white ball stuff, all the T20 stuff, he's, he's in the team. But, yeah, it's an interesting one, mate. I think um, there are some questions around maybe some of the, the management. Uh, I, and I also look at our coaching IP. You know, we've we've been told, particularly by Dave White in the past, that um, people like Brendan and Daniel Vittori and Stephen Fleming aren't interested in coaching at international level. Yet we see Baz now at England, Vittori at Australia, Jeets, obviously. Are we in danger of losing? Um, some of our best coaching IP maybe because we've got guys that think outside the box that don't fit in where people like Dave White and Gary Stead see us going? Um, oh, yeah, I wouldn't say Gary Stead is, fits right in the box either. Um, I think it's more to do just, I, I think, personally, just with the whole... I'm not sure if it comes from a sport in New Zealand, but the way they do those um, they do those coaching courses, I'm not sure what they're called, are sort of um, accelerating coaching courses, I think they're called, with Sport New Zealand with a whole heap of people come in from, you know, different sports and they sort of run a sort of a coaching course of, you know, planning and processes and, and everything like that. And um, I think that sort of maybe dulls down our coaches. I mean, I look at Scott Robinson as well. You know, like people say, you know, I read articles, he'll never coach the All Blacks because he break dances after they win. Mm-hmm. I, wouldn't care if he, I wouldn't care if he break dance after we won the World Cup. As long as we win the World Cup, I think all the best coaches around the world have something different that they that they do and they're authentic to themselves you know that's what Baz has done he's willing to fall on a sword looks like Scott Robinson's willing to fall on a sword playing the way he plays and being the person he is and I look at you know rugby league I look at Wayne Bennett you know he used to train with the guys and run with the guys and still holds I think the third fastest um, time trial for the for the run they do the 8k run the Broncos used to do so everyone does stuff differently and I think the coaches that have probably had the most success um in their coaching life, probably haven't done those coaching courses and just been authentic to themselves. You know, you listen to Mourinho when he got asked what his coaching philosophy was and he said, what's a philosophy? I just coach to win. So it's um, it's one of those things, I think, if you are looking to get into coaching or you want to be a coach, then you just got to make sure that your game plan and how you go about it is completely authentic to yourself and you're not trying to be someone that you're not. Mm, yeah, interesting. All right, Hamish. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming on, mate. I really appreciate it. One day to go. Um, a chance out of 100 that the Black Caps can can win this uh, last test? Um, oh, look, it's, it's probably not great. Great numbers at the moment, is it? We're going to have to start with a, with a massive hiss and a roar. I think Bolt and Saudi will obviously open the bowling. and They're probably going to take at least probably three between them in the first 10 overs, I would have thought, to to try and stop the bleeding and, and then try and get some control of this game. Um, but a few early wickets were made for some great viewing, wouldn't it? But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it'd be that high, All unfortunately. Right. Yeah, good stuff, Hamish. Go well, mate. Enjoy your day, and we'll catch up with you soon, eh? Awesome. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.